Welcome back, everybody, to Brown Bag Bets, powered by Betsperts. We are your daily dose of quick hit handicapping and sports betting picks. I'm Alex Christensen, and joining me, as always, on Tuesdays, Mr. Matt Rooney. We leave Andy over at the Betsperts Golf Channel. It really is just Matt and I today. Producer Dan is somewhere wandering around a golf course, hopefully making good use of his media credentials, taking lots of notes about roughs and things like that. But how's it going, Matt? What'd you think of that hockey game? Pretty boring third period, huh? I'm trying to balance the whole producing the show. You'll click on the right banner here, click on the right. You see, I put in the the overlay halfway after the intro was over. I'm trying to balance both here. I'm doing good though. Um, I was, we were talking before the show. I actually, the hockey game got a little out of control. So I flipped over to my white Sox, which was a little closer towards the end than I'd like, but we still got to win. Um, last night, I hate to say Andy was right with his hockey bet that he just kind of bet in hopes that he would get it right. Um, but he did. And now we have a series and I'm, I'm kind of happy. We're not going into game four there in a, in a three Oh situation, but kind of, ex- I don't know if I expected six to two, but I think last night was a, you didn't expect the Stanley cup champions, you know, two time defending cup champions to go down without a fight. And I think last night was, was their fighting back. And now I'm pretty interested to see on, on what we get from both teams in game four. Yeah, it was perfect to somebody that wanted to get up, watch a little hockey. And then honestly, I went to bed before the third period and I guess it was a good decision. I didn't miss any goals. And I mean, it was just wild, a back and forth hockey all night, a lot of good shots. I mean, saw a couple of really nice give and goes. And that's, those are always my favorite plays when you watch somebody do a nice quick back and forth there. I mean, the puck was moving around. I guess it felt too, you had to feel a little bad, I guess, for the avalanche goalie. I mean, not that he was great, but I don't know if necessarily he was as bad as maybe the, the first period and a half. Look, what did you think? Mm-hmm. It just seemed to me like Tampa Bay was just hitting little, all their spots. And I don't little, know, little bit of I'm both. not sure about who was in that. A little bit of both. He didn't play very well, but it's not a situation yet where you're, you know, considering going with uh, the backup Pravel Fansos in, in Game Four, who's actually been really good so far in the playoffs. I think he was six and zero when when he filled in for Darcy Kemper when he got hurt. But Kemper's been their guy all year, and last night wasn't it wasn't one of those Oilers games where you saw Mike Smith let in, you know, easy one after easy one to Colorado. He, he played okay. He wasn't terrible. But, you know, some goals he probably wants back, but you know, the Lightning had their fastball last night. And sometimes that just happens. Um, I didn't think Colorado was terrible. I just thought you saw, you know, the lightning kind of jump out to that lead. They did get a, you know, a, 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 I don't want to say a cheap goal or two, but got themselves out to a lead. And when a team like that, who plays that well at home, I think they're six and one or uh, six and one at home in the playoffs so far. I think they've won like 14 of their last 15, something like that at home. They're a really tough team to beat down in Tampa. And you saw it last night. I, I, I expect game uh, game four to be a more closely contested game. I don't really see either team kind of pulling away. I think you'll see more of like a game one type. I guess I can pop up the odds here for game four. This, see, this is this is this is my fault. This is Dan, usually Dan's the one popping up the graphics. I'll throw up the banner here. But as you can see, you know Vegas has this one right down the middle, uh, minus one ten for each. I actually believe Tampa was a slight favorite this morning. I think they were around minus 115. Colorado is around minus 105. So money's going back to Colorado. Um, but this is a, I mean, it's a huge game in the series because, you know, part, part of it, when you go down 0-2, you know, you're, you're upset. Obviously you're down 0-2, but when you go down 0-2, you kind of actually have some of that pressure leave you a little bit, I want to say, and you, you kind of play a little bit, Obviously, you got to go out and win game three, but you know, you're already down 0 2. You play a little bit looser sometimes, and I think that's what happened. And now you go into game four, all of a sudden, there's a little bit of pressure, especially the way they lost. You know, it wasn't a four to three overtime loss there, it was a six to two loss on the road. You know, there's a little bit more pressure on a Colorado team who, 
has gotten as far as they've gone in the last few years, but they've also flamed out in the playoffs after taking 2-0 series leads in the second round. And they're, they're a team that's, you know, been prone to, to letting those leads slip away. And when you have a team like Tampa who might be able to smell a little bit of doubt, that's, that's you know, a concern for sure. But uh, I'm interested to see what we get in game four because Tampa absolutely made it a series last night. We've all expected that. We all expected this to be a six or seven game series. I don't think that changes. Um, but game four is going to be a lot of fun. Really looking forward to that. And I think Vegas really shows you what they think of it too. It's right down the middle. It's a coin toss. Yeah, what you think of the total sitting there at six? Looks like it's just about the same as last night. Starting to get juiced towards the under. And again, being a complete novice, it, it but it looks to me like just the pace of the way these two teams want to play. There's going to be five, six goals in every one of these games, right? I mean, even if Vasilevsky is incredible, there's just it seems like there's a ton of opportunities. Yeah, I mean, when I know Colorado only had the two last night, but when they're when their totals are at six, and you know, like you said, kind of trending like like the unders kind of the play here. Um, even in the playoffs, you kind of have to take it because they they play so fast. And then Tampa, Tampa does a good job of still playing their game and not falling into trying to go goal for goal with Colorado because that's really you know trading chance for chance with a team like that's really tough. But they're also a team capable of you know going on a few runs like that, playing a high octane game, and they're going to score their fair share of goals too. But anytime you have Colorado in, in a situation where the totals at six and you know there's value on the over. I think you kind of have to look for it because last night was kind of uh, that was the least production productive. You'll, you'll see them offensively and they still put up two goals and had a bunch of shots on goal and kind of that third period. I don't want to say they packed it in because they didn't pack it in, but they were down, you know, six to two and Tampa was able to play a little bit more of a keep away kind of game, you know, and it not really somewhat of a prevent defense type game where they're not giving up the big chances and they're letting Colorado chip away with, you know, easier shots for Vasilevsky to see. So the third period was kind of always destined to not really be high scoring when you have a team like Tampa protecting a four goal lead. So I really like that over total. Um, I, I, it's weird to say that in the Stanley Cup playoffs that I love an over six, um, but with these two teams and Colorado's goaltending situation combined with how good their offense is, I think the over is is a good play there, especially with the value coming in on it. Yeah, I agree exactly with what you're kind of saying. And Maybe to sum it up a different way, those first two periods are more indicative of what we're going to see. Not yes. just throw the third period away, but like we're not going to see that again unless Tampa Bay has a lead. I mean, would Colorado even kind of hold the puck like that if they had a big lead? I mean, they seem like they just continue to attack no matter what. Yeah, I mean, you, you saw Colorado with a big lead in game two, right? Now, granted, they were at home, so I think they had a little bit more of the crowd behind them and didn't feel that, that when you when you have a big lead on the road and you're protecting, I could see a team like Colorado trying to fall into that and maybe playing a little bit more protective but also they're a team that doesn't want to get away from their game um, and their game is pushing the pace. And I think you saw them a little bit in that. Remember that game one against Edmonton, the eight to six barn burner where they got out to the big lead. I think they were up like six or seven to two. And then Edmonton, Edmonton kind of started to come back. I think you saw them in that game kind of try to play the keep away game a little bit for, you know, they got out to the big lead and tried to, you know, sit into that prevent defense and it allowed Edmonton to come back. Colorado, I think, knows that's kind of not their game. And I think with the team as good as Tampa, they're going to feel the need to keep their foot on the gas um, if they have a big lead again, which I think what you saw in game two. So you saw it even in game one, too, when they're up three to one, not that you usually fall into a protective lead, but they're up three to one and they, they kind of kept pushing. Vasilevsky just played really, really well. 
Um, so they're not really a team that most teams will fall into that kind of trap and, and play defensive in the third period with the league. Colorado knows that's not their game, and that's not when they play their best hockey. So I don't see you see think you see a team like that do that. It makes sense. You have to be good at it. There was someone that grew up as a Joe Paterno Penn State fan. There was no team in the world worse at holding a big lead. They were going to this prevent defense that was against everything they had done for three quarters. And mm-hmm. it's always better to see teams like, you know, that are good, just keep their foot on the gas. But that's, a, that's something good to sort of note, maybe for some live betting there. I mean, if Tampa Bay does go into the third period next game with a big lead, maybe look for an under or something if mm-hmm. the total gets up to seven or eight or something like that. Yeah, it's not again, not to say that they wouldn't maybe try and play a little bit more carefully, but they, they talked about uh, after that game one eight to six win over Edmonton, how they got out of their game and they don't want to do that again. And th- there's, you know, the old adage, do what got you here, play how, you know, play how you play, how you got here. And Colorado got here by being faster than everybody, by outchancing everybody and scoring more goals than everybody. And with a team like Tampa that is capable of coming back from really any deficit that has been there before, you really can't take your foot off the gas. Makes perfect sense. And did you get a chance to uh, listen to the deep dive last night? Vegas Refund did a great job breaking down the draft with Drew and Andy. And it sounds like they agree with a lot of the stuff that we talked about on yesterday's show. Did you get to listen to any of that, though? I did not, but I have about a, a, a up at the, the, the lake house in Michigan right now. I have about an hour and a half drive home tomorrow. That is on the books for my drive home tomorrow. I've been very excited to listen to that, and I heard very good things about it. And was texting back and forth with Andy a little bit about some NBA draft picks. He's big on the uh, – the Paolo Ben Bancaro Bancaro we we I think, Bancaro, we had we believe. I, think I thought it was Bancaro he's he Italian Bancaro. apparently I was I was correct Andy um I, I saw his market was, he was like plus a thousand on points bet yesterday it's down to like plus 400 to go number one so that's uh that's an interesting shift to me but I love these drafts because you know there's the Zion drafts where you know Zion's one you know Jaws two it's a matter of you know who's getting that pick and you know whether or not somebody maybe jumps up in a trade and there's this one where you don't have the star, but like, who the hell knows what the order is? It could go so many different ways. Yeah, listen to the deep dive. They do a great job of breaking it down. We talked about it yesterday, but it just seems like chaos is really possible. I don't think I that love chaos. anyone really has the top three tied down. Drew made a great point. A lot of mock drafts probably about a week or so ago were just looking at the odds boards and going, oh, well, let's just do that because, you know, whatever. And, you know, Jabari came out to huge favorites. So you saw everything bounce out. Hopefully you grabbed all those numbers yesterday. I think maybe there's still a little value in Paolo to go number one if you could find like plus 400 or better, but I'm pretty sure those are all gone at this point. So we'll see. I did find two more over-unders that I liked. Um, We'll start with Jalen Duran over 10 and a half here. Just as I look at him kind of from a basketball perspective, he seems you know, kind of like his peak in the NBA will be something like a, a Rudy Gobert, something like that. But as you start to think about big men, especially big men that can't shoot in the league, um, it's really, really difficult to trust those guys in big games, late in games. And as exciting as he is as a defensive player, and then you start to look at the draft board. A lot of the guys in the top 10 have big men. They don't necessarily need somebody like Jalen Duran. Again, unless he's going to be a top three pick, which really doesn't seem, you know, doesn't really seem at all like it's going to happen. So give me over 10 and a half on him. I think he's someone that's definitely going to fall. And then Wendell Moore Jr. He is someone that I think honestly might fall out of the first round over 26 and a half means, you know, we got to get him to the 27th pick. So at least five picks before the first round is over. And it seems to be, there's some medical issues popping up for him and he's been really sliding in mocks the last couple of days. So I think we might see him push, you know, into the thirties, even into the second round. So 
like both of those. Um, Fred Millionaire Cast means we have the advantage, not the house. Yes, it does. Um, anytime, I mean, just in draft stuff in general, there is no way to project this. There is no real way to handicap this. It's really an information market. So part of the reason that you'll see books lower, offer really low limits, and again, the guys talked about this last night in more depth, that's really, you know, kind of what that means. They don't know how this is going to go, and they've gotten crushed the last couple drafts. I mean, it's hard to think that books made any money on the last couple NFL drafts. I know the last NBA draft was just a mess, given with some of those picks, and I wonder how much longer they'll keep putting these up, I mean, even at such low limits. So it does mean we have an advantage, but it does point to maybe how tough this is for books, and I wonder how much longer we'll have the opportunity to do this. So enjoy it while you can. So I, I got two questions for you. One of them is a draft, an overall draft question, not necessarily this one specifically. And then I have a Homer question, maybe two Homer questions for, for my bulls. Um, one, why do they have the NBA draft so quickly after the NBA finals? I feel like it's, I feel like it's very, as I, I, I'm a, as a casual NBA fan on Monday, I was like, Oh, didn't know the NBA draft. It was this week until we started talking about it. It just seems like something that they could, you know, the NFL, not maybe not put it off as long as the NFL does, but it seems like something if you wait like a month, you can kind of start to hype up a little bit more and get some more people like craving basketball. I think there's a couple things that work here. This year it does feel like it's a little bit early. I think it's generally a little bit later. I usually remember it being the last week of June, first week of July kind of thing. Okay. But I think a lot of it is they want to get it done before free agency starts. And I think also if you put it close to the NBA finals, then at least you're carrying some attention over. You're not quite losing everybody you know, for that month or so. So I think you kind of keep people on the hook. I think you're right. It'd be nice if it was maybe a week later, but I think they try to squeeze it in to sort of keep people, keep the momentum going. And at the same time, get it done before free agency, because you know that, that's really honestly where a lot of the fun coverage is. Okay. And then two bulls are picking it. I think 16 are the bulls going to make that pick. And if they do, who am I looking for? Give me, give me a name or a couple names. <laughs> I think that the Bulls do make that pick. I kind of do too, because I'm not sure what pick that what value that pick really holds as a match. Well, so here's the lame answer. The, the way the NBA draft works, you can't really trade picks a lot of times. You can trade players. Yeah. So what so they'll probably do is, is draft someone and then maybe trade them the next day. Um, you said they pick what at 15? I think it's 15 or 16. They're right around kind of middle of that first round. Yeah, I'm sorry, 18. I'm looking for the Bulls here. Yeah, 15 would be too close to the lottery. So the Bulls are at 18 here. It looks like, as I'm starting to look at some of these drafts, guy like Terry Eason, he's a small forward. That kind of makes sense. I feel like you guys are looking for more wings. I mean, maybe if a big falls, a guy like Mark Williams, you might want as a center. That guy, Jalen Duran, I mentioned. I mean, if you okay. really start and gets out to you guys he's probably a nice little piece to have for the team so as i start to think about what you guys need you're pretty solid at guard but it's kind of I a center what or, a, or a three and d kind of wing is is would be my what you kind of said there is my guess as well they don't have much shooting they could use some help defensively as you always can and the, the big is important for them but I think you're right. That could be a candidate for a pick to trade, maybe try to open up some room. I don't know what kind of players you guys would move. There's odds for Zach Levine to be on a different team in a few books, but I don't know why you guys would move him. That seems odd. It, it is, and the, the reports are he's – Bulls are telling teams they've already, you know, that they've already agreed to the five-year deal and Zach Levine's going to sign the max contract. And I don't, I don't really see how that would be a sign-and-trade where the Bulls would get enough value back. I just I think he'll be back with the Bulls next year in that five-year deal. But there are also whispers about Rudy Gobert, and I know he's been moved, and now I'm seeing you know if he gets – he might not get moved, but if he does, the Bulls are kind of the main uh, – you know, the, the lead candidate to go grab him. Right. My little like 
skeptical that I know he would make them defensively a lot better, but like I kind of don't want a 31 year old Rudy Gobert who's going to be making $45 million when he's 34. I guess the question is, do you want him or do you want Vucevic? I mean, that's probably what you're doing there. You know, you're trying to get yourself to a more defensive minded team, which makes sense given kind of what you have from a guard play. I think Gobert would be a nice fit there. Um, now, like you said, he's a little bit older and I think teams have kind of figured him out, but yeah, it's, that's the way I would try to think about that decision. Ours, what we're going to give up for Gobert worth how much better he'll be than Vucevic in terms of a fit. Yeah. And I guess you have to Vuce. The thing I don't mind about bringing Vuce back for one more year is he's up after next year. And that just in the NBA, I know all contracts are kind of movable if you find, you know, the right trading partners, but that flexibility, especially for a team like the Bulls, that's kind of actually becoming somewhat of a possible free agent destination, seems very important. And I just feel like if you lock in Gobert at a max deal for the next three years, you got Levine locked in, you got Vooch, you got Gobert locked in, DeRozan, I think there's only one more year, but that's a lot of money for not a lot of 1A stars. Yeah, you're, trying to, you're trying to solve your team in June, which, which is never a great idea. So we'll see how that goes. And yeah, it's weird. I have reason to be excited about the Bulls <laughs> actually talking about them in June <laughs> as opposed to who are they going to mess up with their top five pick. That's right. Yeah, Fran, Terry Easton at plus 550. I, I don't know if you should bet that. At some point, there's going to be a run on wings, and Easton might not even be there. So it might be Easton. It might be a guy like EJ Liddell. Um, I wonder if you guys would even take Nikola Jovic, something like that. I mean, I know you guys aren't afraid necessarily of taking um, foreign foreign guys. Malachi Branham might fit in nicely, like so we'll see. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Should be a fun Thursday. The, 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 the drama in the first, you know, in the lottery of the NBA draft is always really fun to watch. Uh, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of deals. I think that it's going to be the more it, most interesting first five picks we've had in a long time. Looking forward to it. Now, um, what's baseball? Doing today with baseball? We got day ball. Uh, we, uh, you know, I don't think we have day baseball today unless there's a doublehead. It's Tuesday. There's, there's not a lot of. Here, day I'll baseball check because Dan's not here to check. That's true. No, um, it was just night games. Oh well, just tennis this afternoon. I went just White Sox today because baseball betting is hard, and if you're not really focused on the major leagues and playing really close attention to major league baseball and knowing every team, not necessarily inside and out, but well enough. It's very difficult. Right now, my focus has been on the NHL and the White Sox. So I'm going to stick to what I've been actually kind of focused on here um, with the White Sox. They have a uh, game two of a pretty important series with Toronto. They won 8-7 in a pretty fun back-and-forth type game last night. Their offense is really starting to come around. The Blue Jays have one of, if not the best uh, offenses in baseball, I think I saw in the broadcast, too. These two teams are uh, lead the AL and, you know, hard hit baseballs, you know, they measure exit velocity and all that. And I believe the White Sox and Blue Jays are one and two in that category. So they're really hitting the ball. Well, Kevin Gaussman throws for the Blue Jays. He's been good this year, but the Sox got to him last time uh, when they played in Toronto. I think they put up four or five runs on him. Dylan Cease is throwing for the White Sox and is despite having all the stuff in the world to be very good. He tends to struggle. Um, can't really throw strikes against the, the better lineups in the big matchups. And if you give a team like Toronto uh, a lot of base runners and chances with guys on base, they are usually drive those guys in, get themselves some runs. So I like the over nine at close to even money tonight. Like I said, last night it went to 15 um, in probably a 
better pitching matchup or at least equivalent one. Um, so I'm going to take the over there. And Andrew Vaughn, I, I've talked about him a little bit on, on these bets because I think FanDuel hadn't really caught up to him yet. Uh, they've caught up to him, and rightfully so. His two-plus total bases, though, is still plus money or even money, I should say, at plus 100 there. Tim Anderson got hurt uh, 18 games ago. Uh, they, they closed their series against the Cubs right at the beginning of June. At that point, Andrew Vaughn was hitting 267, I think, slashing like 267, 319, you know, 390, something along the lines. That fine, nothing spectacular. His average is now up to 330. He's slugging at 390, and I believe his on base is like 405. Um, in that 18 game stretch with when Tim Anderson out now, Anderson came back last night, but we're gonna count last night. Vaughn is hitting like 416, 450, uh, like right around 500 there for the on base. So he's been just unconscious really for the last 18 games he's been unbelievable and he was four for four last night had a home run and a double i think last time when they faced gaussman in toronto he took him deep and had a double so he had six total bases on kevin gaussman then he's been really good the Sox playing a hitter's ballpark andrew vaughn likes to hit in it he's going to be in the lineup tonight probably hitting second so get a bunch of chances uh tim anderson hits ahead of him so he gets on base a lot which means he'll probably see a good amount of hit pitches to hit uh, I really like Andrew Vaughn two plus total bases at, at even money. I think that's still some some value there. And uh, if you can find a uh, batting title prop that not a lot of sports books carry him, especially not this early in the season. Right now, he's fourth in the AL. I think fifth in Major League Baseball. But all of these guys, there's one guy, Luis Arise of the Twins, is hitting about 360. I don't really think that's sustainable. And then there's about four guys clumped up from 330 to 332. Andrew Vaughn's one of them. He gets in a really good lineup. He's going to be protected the whole way. And the Sox offense is due for a bounce back after how bad they've been in the first half. So I think he, if you can find a batting title uh, prop, I think he's a he's a fun bet. And I, I think one that would be worth tracking throughout the summer. Well, I think I'll poke around and look for that. It's, it's like you said, the White Sox got a good lineup there. So the 360, that's pretty high. Yeah, they got the, the Twins have uh, a scrappy kind of utility infielder who hits he's a left-handed hitter who hits righties you know singles right-handed pitching to death and he's been really good so far this year but also 360 is really tough to maintain over a while coming back to the mean around 330 320 is is projectable to do and i think if you, you have a guy who's 30 points behind the current you know major league baseball batting average leader you probably probably find some pretty good value on him there too in a batting title prop now again those are tough to find they're not everywhere i was on FanDuel poking around this morning i didn't see it maybe it's something that pops up later in the summer uh but if you can find that i think andrew vaughn is a is a good one to track I can dig it. And since there isn't any baseball this afternoon, let's take do some tennis. Need, one for us tomorrow, one for us this afternoon. The first one is this afternoon. WTA Eastbourne. Harriet Dart is going to play Jill Teichman. The totals are 21 and a half. I love this over. I had this closer to 22, almost 22 and a half. The two women play generally very long matches. Again, wouldn't mind an over two and a half sets bet here. Just didn't like the number I saw at plus 145. Um, this seems like that market is just used too much anymore for, to, to find value in some of those numbers. So yeah, over 21 and a half, if you want to sell to the 22, if you can, that's fine as well, but just should be a nice long competitive match. We might even get a tiebreaker or two here. Um, that should be this afternoon, probably around one 30, maybe even two o'clock Eastern. So you got some time to get that one in. And then in Bad Hamburg, Alizé Cornet minus three games. She goes against Tatana Maria, Maria, uh, is admittedly kind of on an up, upswing here. It could be a little more competitive match. She has pushed the last couple of women she's played, but Corday continues to be really undervalued on grass. 
Um, it was actually too good for us yesterday to get the over against Kalinskaya. Just kind of took care of business there pretty comfortably. So happy to lay the three games and honestly wouldn't mind taking her money line. I'm seeing right around minus 170 now. Go ahead and parlay that with some stuff. I think that she's in great shape to win that match. So um, happy to lay the three games there or, you know, go ahead and put her with something if you've got a fun future or something maybe for uh, the golf tournament this week. Who knows? But Dart Teichman over 21 and a half this afternoon. Cornet minus three games. That'll be early tomorrow morning. I have no doubt that Andy made jokes and laughed about the name Bad Homburg yesterday, but I have to as well. That's just I, that's a funny name. <laughs> I'm guessing that's Germany. Oh yeah, makes sense. I like oh, the yeah. I, I love the the Cornet minus three, but you're the you gave it to us with Iga in the French Open. The you know you love this parlay it with something. I, I like really like the ideas. I really like this favorite. The odds are decent there at minus 170. Take that and then parlay it with maybe like a future you like to really double, triple, whatever those odds. Give yourself even better odds on a future really like. That's a that's a smart strategy I hadn't really thought of until the really the IGA bets you started giving out to around the French Open. I may or may not have a Cornet Cantlay parlay. Oh, okay. Let's root for Patrick Cantlay then. Sort of a half golf pick. I mean, I stole it from Cal, so you know, got to get into that BVIP. Well, let's tell producer Dan to, to let Cantlay know we got some money riding on him this weekend that we, uh, we we need a win for him. I can dig it. But I think that's all the sports we got for us today. Um, make sure that you check out FanDuel. Again, $200 in free bets. All you got to do is place a $5 wager. Go in, use the link in the description, deposit, you know, 5 bucks, make your $5 wager. And I think you're looking at $200 in free bets to use is that how it works i mean can i really just yeah, five dollar wager it's winner really lose that, that bet, 200 200 pops in your account not that hard and hey if you already have an account call your you know your dad your mom brother sister neighbor friend whatever you know that you can sign some other people up maybe they'll make some bets for you if they're not into betting there, there's ways to get these uh to, to get some other people signed up get them involved in the fun too it's 200 dollars for you pay 500 five dollars you get 200 it's it's a I don't. What are the odds on that? That forty to one? No. Uh, yeah, something one? like that. I mean, something like that. Again, you use that two hundred. It's for a free roll. Put a nice big underdog. Maybe you get a free yeah. vacation out of it. Maybe parlay a Cornet Cantley uh, with the with the two hundred dollars in free bets. Who knows? You can use it whatever you it. want, but it's good free money from FanDuel, our partner. So go ahead, take advantage of that. Awesome. Thanks, FanDuel. Thanks everybody for watching. Great job by the chat today. Give us a thumbs up. Click the little subscription bell there. That always makes Andy really happy. And it does. If you want to hear some more sports stuff, I bet they're still going on over there at Bets for its Golf. So hop over and we'll see you tomorrow.